this podcast from Jubilee Church Derby, a church family looking to make a difference across the city of Derby and beyond. This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations, and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Word on the street is that you've got a great story about being on the street. Am I right? Yes, John has. Um, all, all I want to say is um, it was great weather yesterday, brilliant, great being out on the streets. really want to encourage you folks uh, just to pray for us when we are on the streets and also um, even consider uh, coming out. You don't have to do anything. You can just hang around with us and see what happens, um, but just so that you can get used to what it's like being out there. I really want to encourage you to do that. Take a step of faith. Why not pray about that? Why not consider it? And maybe your heart's beating tender. It doesn't even as I'm speaking now, as I'm putting this challenge out to you, that's all okay because we feel like that every Saturday we go out there. So I want to encourage you to pray and to seek God. And if you want to come along with us, you're more than welcome to come along. Yeah, we had a really good day yesterday. And uh, obviously we pray before we go out. And uh, obviously we get words from God and we write them down in diaries. And what was quite amazing amazing yesterday is, is Ray met a lady yesterday. And we each had half, say half a word for her each on, on her illness. So... I mean, that was wonderful to know that God just doesn't, he doesn't pass it on to one person. He knows we're both going out. So he's given us, he gave us half a word each. So that was really encouraging. And then I, I met a man yesterday, you know, led by the Holy Spirit. And I must have chatted him for about 45 minutes. And he'd been, uh, he'd been into the occult and seances and he'd been mentally ill because of it. And he had a knowledge of, uh, of Jesus Christ. He'd, he'd read the Old Testament. I just managed to have a chat with him. He asked loads of questions from angels to who Jesus is. Why did he die? What can he do for us now? Will he accept me? And it was question after question. And I was just able to answer the questions, you know, real confidently. There was no nerves or anything. I just was able to boom, because it's it's the Holy Spirit, it's God. And uh, I was hoping he would come today. He said to me, just give me a bit of time. Um, I'll, I will come to your church, but I just need to be right in the mind. So uh, we prayed together. I tried to uh, try to talk to him about about giving his life to Christ, then, but he was he wasn't he wasn't quite ready. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it, it was a wonderful time. But what I will I will say out there, what I'm finding. I mean, we go from Burton and then we go to Derby, and and they're two different places, but. There's loads of people out there just really lost and they're looking for something. And I've been saying this for ages. You know, your soul is looking, it's looking for God. It's, it's looking for its owner. It's looking for the creator. And they're looking in the wrong places. I meet people who are on drugs, who, you know, are drinking alcohol, are lonely and just lost and marriage breakdowns and so many, just loads of people. And I mean, they're after Christ, but they don't know it. And amazingly as well is you meet people who you wouldn't think would even have a knowledge of God, but they actually do know about Jesus, but they've never taken it any uh, to the next step. You know, they're, I suppose they're trapped in the world, if you want to put it like that. But uh, it is amazing out there. And, you know, when I first went out, I, I was really nervous. But I think what's happened is you know you're not on your own. You know, you know God's there. And yesterday, to give us half a word each was, you know, it's just really awesome. I was, I was really on a, on a high yesterday. And, 
you know you're doing it for God and you're giving him all the glory, but he does respond and he does lead you in the right places. And I, I challenge anyone to go out. It's, it's, it's amazing. If you can get past the nerves, you're okay. Okay, then. Amazing. Let's encourage these guys. Well done. Just to um, yeah, echo uh, Ray's comment, if, you know, if, if that is something that you're, um, that, that, uh, you're feeling called to, please do uh, talk to, to Ray or John about it. It'd be great uh, to get as many people as we can um, out there and um, yeah, just um, speaking out into, into people's lives. Um, are you up now? He's up now. Um, bye, guys. Bye, youth. Um, why don't we warmly welcome Graham as he uh, brings us uh, the word for this morning. Thanks, mate. Well, good morning. It's great to see you all. Welcome to Jubilee. If this is your first time, really thrilled you're with us. Thank you for being here. Uh, my name is Graham. I lead the team that leads Jubilee. And it's uh, really good to have you with us. I know a whole bunch of people are away for bank holiday weekends and half term and so on and so forth. But it's good you're here. And here on your birthday, Kevin, I mean, it's great. We're not going to sing, don't worry. But happy birthday anyway, my friends. So, we've got to Acts chapter 2. That wasn't a very exciting... uh, I'll try again in a minute. So working our way through the book of Acts, we have got to Acts chapter 2. Yes, and there was much rejoicing. We're not quite at my favourite passage yet. We'll be there next week. And I'm not preaching it. Oh, I thought, so those of you who are visiting are thinking, what is he on about? Um, my favourite passage, it is well known, is the uh, end of Acts chapter 2. talks about the uh, beginnings of the early church and it's been a reoccurring theme really for us in Jubilee uh, to look at this passage together and to learn from it. We'll be looking at it next week. But I won't be preaching it because I thought it would be good to have somebody else preach it and uh, to hear somebody else's take on it. So I'm very much looking forward to that next Sunday. So please do join us then for that. But this week we're in the beginning of Acts chapter 2. And I guess this section of Scripture may be one that's quite familiar to you. We uh, often talk about the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And uh, the danger, I guess, is that we think, ha, I've heard this before. I'll switch off. But I want to encourage you, don't switch off this morning. I feel God's got some things that are fresh for us today. No matter how many times you've read this passage, you've heard it preached on, or you've looked at it, I believe that God is going to speak to us as we read it together. So let's read some verses. We'll read the beginning part of Acts chapter 2, and we may refer to some other uh, points in it as well. So verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, the crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, 
Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How then is it each of us hears them in our native language? Parthian, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's pray together. You want me to use that one? Okay. So before I pray, we take it. Am I taking this off? What's the what's the instruction? Oh, really? That's interesting. Oh, I know what was here. I might hear somebody else speaking, preaching. They might hear us. This could be fun. <laughs> this could be a lot of fun. Okay, let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you for your word to us. God, we thank you for uh, your word that we've re- what we recorded in Scripture, and we thank you for this account of the day of Pentecost. And we pray now as we spend this time together looking at it, we pray, God, that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, would you come and be our teacher? We ask it, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, is that better? No interference now. We're all happy. Okay, so let's get going. Let's talk about then the day of Pentecost. So Pentecost was a Jewish festival rooted deep in Old Testament times, sometimes called the Festival of Weeks. It was the middle of three annual Jewish harvest festivals. And it's a big occasion in Jewish life. But we're also told that the coming of the Holy Spirit happened suddenly. It was a sudden thing for them. So for us, we go, our oh, day of Pentecost, I know what that's about. That's about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Because we look back and think, that's when it happens. Actually, it was a Jewish festival. They were uh, rejoicing together. And then suddenly, God broke in and did something new. How many of you know that God loves suddenlies? Breaking in, doing something new. Maybe even this morning he'll be doing that in this place. So the disciples had not shown up expecting this to be the day any more than any other day it may have been. God broke in suddenly. But they did know that Jesus had made a promise about the coming of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at then the person of the Holy Spirit. Who is he? 
And you may, you may see some peas going through this preach if you're, if you're paying particular attention to the person of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit then is the third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we read about him right throughout Scripture. He's involved in creation throughout the history of God's people, right the way through the ages, right the way indeed through the Old Testament as we, as we read it. He is God, equal with God the Father and Jesus the Son. So this is not some wispy, ghost-like force. You need to understand that. This is God himself, the Holy Spirit. Love it in Genesis 1 where uh, we're told about the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. It's like there, there was something about to happen. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. He was at work right in creation, Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. And Jesus promises to send someone, not just an impersonal force, but a person, the person of the Holy Spirit. So the person of the Holy Spirit, we see right throughout Scripture, is promised. And that's our second P, the promise of the Holy Spirit. You may recall back in, uh, in Acts chapter 1, we looked at it uh, a couple of weeks or so ago. Jesus makes a promise to his disciples. He says, uh, there's a one occasion, verse 4 of Acts 1, while he was eating with them, he gave them his command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus tells them not to start their apostolic ministry of evangelism and church planting until they have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. I guess how tempting it must have been just to make a start, thinking, but we've got this good news. We want to go tell people. But Jesus said, wait. Wait until you are baptized with the Holy Spirit. And he promises that this is going to happen very shortly for them. And it wasn't just that Jesus had promised the Holy Spirit on this occasion. This promise goes way, way back into, into Old Testament times. And as we've uh, heard already the quote from the prophet Joel that Peter refers to there. Joel chapter 2, verse 28, I'll pour my spirit out on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour my spirit out in those days. So right the way through Scripture, right the way back in Old Testament times indeed, you've got the promise of the Holy Spirit. And we need to understand that in Old Testament times, the Holy Spirit came to particular people at particular times for particular purposes. It's not that he wasn't active, he was very active, but there wasn't a general outpouring or empowering of the Spirit. So you can read through Old Testament and, and see that, you know, God gives wisdom to Solomon by the Spirit. To Samson, he gives strength by the Spirit. And you've got other people that, that are empowered by God at different moments for different, different purposes. Uh, we, we see in Exodus 31, 
the Spirit of God at work, uh, of filling people with understanding and knowledge and, uh, and skill for artistic designs and creativity. God is at work by His Spirit, but it's not poured out on everybody. But, but, the Old Testament looks forward to another day looks forward to another time. It's what Joel is prophesying about. He says, there's going to be a time coming when this power, when God's Spirit will be poured out on all people, on all flesh, on everybody who believes in the name of the Lord. The New Testament, too, speaks of this day. As we've talked about uh, Jesus referring to this in Acts chapter 1. We could go back and uh, look uh, earlier in the Gospel, for example, where Jesus promises the coming of the spirits. So we know that this was something that the disciples were looking forward to. They knew it was going to happen, and this promise was going to happen very soon. But the coming of the Holy Spirit that had been promised brings power, the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in Acts 1, in, uh, in verse Verse 4 there. Do not leave. On one occasion, he was, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. You'll be baptized with, John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And he goes on in verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So there's this promise of the coming of the Spirit and the promise of power. And I guess if there's one thing that we need as Christians in order to live for Jesus, is this. It's God's power. How many of us know that we need God's power at work in our lives? Well, you do, don't we? Power to live, power to witness, power to be a Christian. For far too long, I tried to live the Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit. Although I'd become a Christian at quite a young age, I didn't really know anything about and certainly not understand the baptism of the Spirit until I was in my early 20s. To begin with, it was like, whoa, that's quite scary. Didn't really understand what was going on. Thought, not sure, don't really understand. But although I was slightly scared, more than that, I was hungry and desperate for God's power. See, I knew that something was missing. Maybe you can relate to that this morning. Maybe you already know and love Jesus, you're following him, but you get a sense that there's something missing. There must be something more. Maybe there's some power that's missing for you. Well, listen, I've got some good news. And the good news is about the power of the Spirit available for you this morning. Jesus uses the phrase, talking about being baptized through the Holy Spirit. It's using the same word that uh, is used elsewhere in Scripture. Uh, and we know that when Jesus was baptized, for example, and there was a, a, a total drenching of him. He was totally submerged, totally immersed in, in water. And that's the picture we have throughout the New Testament of baptism. It's actually a word that would have been used in, in everyday language, might be used, uh, for, for example, to describe a ship that had sunk. You think, oh, this is, you know, this is totally submerged, totally filled with water. 
And Jesus is using this word and talking not about water, but about the power of the Holy Spirit. So there's something at work here. There's something going on in our minds. We must be thinking, well, if, if the baptism of a, a, a water would have such an effect or such an effect, but ship being sunk, surely then, then a baptism in the Spirit must have an equal effect on our lives. You see, you know when you have power, but more likely, you know when you don't. I knew that I didn't. I knew it was missing. My desire was to live a life that was pleasing to God, to witness for Him, for to speak for Him, but it was really tough. It's hard going. And some friends of mine had experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and their life seemed to be different. There seemed to be a joy that they had that I didn't have. There seems to be an intimacy in their relationship with God that was missing in my relationship with God. Something had happened to them, and I knew I hadn't had that. And I didn't really understand it. It was slightly scary, but boy, did I know that I needed it. Any of you relate to that? That was my story. I wonder what yours is. So we've got the promise of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. But before we, we, we pray, and we're going to spend some time praying in a few moments, let's just look briefly at the purpose of the Holy Spirit. So you already touched on it slightly in terms of the power of God coming to our lives, but listen, there is more. This is not just a personal experience, not just a personal thing between you and God. It is personal. God does want you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit to experience his power in your life. But there is more than that. And I was so excited when we began to touch this sort of subject uh, during our time of worship. I thought, oh, whenever a, a preacher uh, is, uh, is getting ready and you're thinking, oh, let's just see what happens in the worship. Whenever you get some words to come that go, they start to line up with what you've got prepared, you start to think, Maybe God's got this set up. Maybe he's gone ahead of us and prepared this. So I read some verses uh, from Luke chapter 4 during our worship time, which was stirred in my heart after what Kevin brought and prayed so eloquently. And I refer to this, what Jesus said in Luke chapter 4. He's quoting the prophet Isaiah and says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. So Jesus here is talking about, he's quoting from Isaiah, but he's applying to himself and saying, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. You might say he has filled me or baptized me. He's saying that the Spirit is on him. So where does he go with this? Is it just a a personal relationship between him and his father? Is it just about a sense of, oh, there's power available to me now? Where does he go with this? What is it that this, this leads him into? Where does this purpose of the Spirit take him? Well, it's here. He carries on. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointing me to this, to do this. To proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. 
and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's what Jesus says here is the purpose of the Spirit for him. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. Why? To proclaim good news to the poor. Freedom for prisoners. Recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free. To reclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Amen? Friends, this is not just about your relationship with God. It's bigger than that. It is for a purpose. Yes, it is about your relationship with your Father. It is powerful you live as a Christian. God wants you to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life personally. That is clear in Scripture. But it doesn't stop there. It's not just about you and God. The purpose is bigger than that. So this is a message of good news. And it's for the poor, the vulnerable, the marginalized. So before we get into looking at how you receive, let's just make a couple more comments about what happens on the day of Pentecost. So we see in Acts chapter 2, verse 4 there, we can see the result of what happened when they were filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit enabled the disciples to speak in other languages. They caused so much joy that the onlookers thought they were drunk. So happy were they, so liberated in how they were behaving, people around them were saying they've had too much wine. When was the last time you were so full of the Holy Spirit that those around you said, have you been on the booze? Have you had too much wine? Why this joy and liberty? That's what people were saying about the disciples. It's interesting the languages that the disciples are speaking as well. Luke tells us that Jews from every nation under heaven were hearing them speak in their own language. Every nation, every nation known to them in, in this time. And it's interesting because in this happening, God is reversing the curse of Babel from Genesis 11, where he caused confusion by dividing people into different languages. The coming of the Spirit brings unity to different people groups, different languages, different nations. John Stott, in his commentary on Acts, says this, Nothing could have demonstrated more clearly than this, the multiracial, multinational, multilingual nature of the kingdom of Christ. Ever since the early church fathers, commentators have seen the blessing of Pentecost as a deliberate and dramatic reversal of the curse of Babel. At Babel, human languages were confused and the nations were scattered. In Jerusalem, the language barrier was supernaturally overcome as a sign that the nations would now be gathered together in Christ, prefiguring the great day when the redeemed company will be drawn from every nation, tribe, people, and language. Besides, at Babel, earth proudly tried to ascend to heaven, whereas in Jerusalem, heaven humbly descended to earth. What a good quote. John Stott in the message of Acts. So, friends, how does it happen? 
how do you receive? Let's get practical for a few moments. Some people say, oh, yeah, the, the coming of the Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit, it all happens at conversion. It's like it's an automatic thing. You get it all in that moment. Some people say that. I want to be clear, I don't believe that to be the case. Arguably, some people are saved and filled with the Holy Spirit at the same time. You've got that examples of that in Scripture. But for many, or I would argue most, it is a subsequent experience. And you get more examples of that throughout the New Testament. Often the baptism of the Spirit came later, often through a result of the laying on of hands and of prayer. Now, obviously, we cannot be saved without the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He is the one that leads us to Christ. He is the one that does something in our hearts and helps us to respond to what God has already done in responding to that invitation from him. That cannot happen without the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts. Let's be really clear about that. The Holy Spirit is the one who leads us to Christ. But that is not the same as baptism or empowering and filling with the Holy Spirit. The great 20th century preacher, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, once said this about the baptism of the Spirit and this subject. He said this. They say, it happened when I was born again at my conversion. There is nothing for me to seek. I've got it all. Got it all, he says. Well, if you have got it all, I simply ask in the name of God, why are you as you are? If you have got it all, why are you so unlike New Testament Christians? Whoa, Martin Lloyd-Jones. I think New Testament is clear. There is more for us. And actually, it's clear that it isn't just about a once-off, one-time filling or empowering with the Spirit. It's about an ongoing, continual filling with the Spirit. So are you thirsty for more of him? I hope so. By the time I eventually went forward at a meeting to be prayed for and receive the Holy Spirit, I knew without any shadow of a doubt that these other Christians around me had something in God that I did not have. I knew I wanted it. I knew I was thirsty. I knew I was nervous. But I knew I couldn't carry on as I was. So how does it happen? How do you receive? Well, you respond to Jesus in faith. You, you come to him in faith, believing that this promise is indeed for you. Actually, if you're not sure about that, then rather than have somebody pray with you, I would suggest a better thing is that we sit down and look at Scripture together so that you can come to a place of faith about it personally. It's not about you saying, oh, well, if God wants me to have it, I will. Go on then, Lord, if you can. That's not coming with faith. We need to come with faith and respond to God's invitation to us. The Bible talks about coming to Jesus and drinking. That's an active thing, isn't it? It's not a passive, God will get me if he wants to. It's an active coming with faith and expectation. Remember that baptism in the Holy Spirit is not your idea. You don't have to convince God that he really does need to do it. Actually, it's not your idea, it's his promise. 
So what does it mean in practice? Well, come and be expectant. You don't have to beg. You don't have to try and convince God. You don't have to try and twist his arm. It's his promise for you. Ask and it will be given to you, said Jesus. Often it is through the laying on of hands and of prayer. It's a scriptural principle. It's not always like that. Sometimes God just does it. More often than not, it's through prayer and the laying on of hands. And then how will you know? How will you know that you've been baptized in the Spirit? Well, listen, you will know. In the same way as when you're baptized in water and you get totally, completely, thoroughly drenched, you don't get up out of the baptism pool and go, I'm not sure if I got wet. You're there, you're dripping. You know, it's like, you know, you're totally soaked. There is no doubt about it. For the ship that will be sunk and will be said to, to have been baptized, there wouldn't be any ambiguity. It wouldn't be, well, did the ship sink or not? It's either a bottom of the ocean or it isn't. You know, there was a, there's clear evidence for it. And the same is true in baptism of the Spirit. There will be an evidence for it. Very often, the, that evidence is speaking in tongues. Not always. I think it's a common experience. And even something I'd go further and say, pray and ask God for it. But it isn't the only experience in Scripture that we see as an evidence of the Spirit coming. But there will be something. So, it may all be speaking in tongues, that gift of another language that God gives us to help us to worship Him. Bear in mind, it's speaking in tongues, so you still do the speaking bit. Still your mouth, your, your voice. is a language that God gives. It might be that as you're baptized in the Spirit, you begin to prophesy. That's what happened in Acts 19. It may be something else, like a new awareness of God's love for you. You might fall over. There might be a physical reaction to God being at work in your life. That's not really so strange when we think about the God of heaven coming to us, that there should be a physical reaction. We're not looking for reactions. We're not looking for manifestations. What we are saying is, is there evidence? He's got at work. So, have you received? Have you received the Holy Spirit? When Paul was in Ephesus, it said this, Acts 19, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, we've not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, so what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, Paul said. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Paul was not afraid to ask the question, have you received the Holy Spirit? And I think we should ask the question as well. The danger is we can think, hey, we're a charismatic church, therefore everyone's good on this. We've all received the Holy Spirit. But actually, it's right to ask the question every now and then. Have you received the Holy Spirit? And if you're not sure, the answer may be no. That would have been my answer for many, many years. 
we've talked about already that the uh, some people say actually the Holy Spirit comes completely, you get all of it at conversion. We talked about how that doesn't appear to be the case actually. Although the Holy Spirit is at work in our hearts in conversion, there is more to experience of him. Hence Paul asking the question, have you received the Holy Spirit? So if you're answering, I'm not sure, then listen, that's okay. That's an okay answer. For years, I knew that I hadn't received the Holy Spirit. For years, I went to meetings where people were prayed for, and they received the Holy Spirit, but I was too scared to go forward. I think actually, I've said this before, the biggest problem for me was pride. I thought, I just can't do it. Now, I was a home group leader. I preached. I led worship. How could I say I wasn't baptized in the Spirit? That became a huge stumbling block for me. Looking back now, I think, oh, what an idiot. (laughs) How foolish to be so proud. I could have got in on it earlier. So by the time I was baptized in the Spirit, I I was desperate for more of the Lord. And I think I was foolish to wait for so long. And I want to encourage you, friends, this morning, don't wait so long. Don't wait so long. And if you're not sure what your answer might be to the question, are you baptized in the Spirit, that's okay. Come again and get prayed for anyway. Because it's not about a one-off thing. It's about an experience of life every day empowering with the Spirit. Mike Pilavachi says this, he said, A friend of ours was once asked whether he believed in the second blessing. He replied, yes. It happens right between the first blessing and the third blessing. He's right. We receive everything in Christ, but we can also be filled with the Holy Spirit, not just once, but many times as we follow God. So whether for you it's the first, second, third, or hundredth time, It's time to receive. It's time to encounter the Lord. Ephesians 5 verse 18 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Perhaps the band could come up, please, as I close. The ESV Study Bible says this of that passage in Ephesians 5. It says, The command in Greek is a presence imperative, and does not describe a one-time filling, but a regular pattern of life. Therefore, Ephesians 5.18 will be better translated as this. Go on being continually filled with the Holy Spirit. This is not about a one-off, one-time meeting experience. This is about go on being continually filled every day every day so i want to ask you is this your experience is this your current experience and perhaps the bigger question for many of us is are you living in the good of the power of the spirit not just in your relationship with jesus but in you bringing good news to the poor and extending his kingdom where you are Let's stand together. I'm going to ask Caroline to lead us in a song, and uh, then we're going to pray. And if this morning you would like to be prayed for, to receive the Holy Spirit, whether that's for the first time, 
or the thousandth time, I don't mind. But if this morning you would like to be prayed for to receive the Holy Spirit afresh, we would love to pray for you. And in a moment, as Caroline leads us in in a song of worship, I want to ask you, as as we sing, you come to the front and we're going to pray. Is that okay? That makes sense? Yes. Let's pray. We're going to sing. And if you want to receive prayer this morning as we sing, then you can come forward. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you, God, for the promise of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for the purpose of the Holy Spirit in our lives, not just to empower our relationship with you, though it is that, but more than that, to bring your kingdom to all around us. So this morning, God, we say we're hungry for more of you. We recognize our need and our desire for more of you in our life. So we pray this morning that you would fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you want to pray for this morning, as we sing, you come and join me at the front, and we'd love to pray for you. Thanks, God. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday morning.